Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are reviewing the new Baz Luhrmann film, Elvis, starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks about the life and career of Elvis Presley. So, Perhaps you've very, heard of him. Yeah, you may have heard of him before. He's a yeah. somewhat famous musician. So... And Baz Luhrmann, this is a very Baz Luhrmann film. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So he has a very certain, if you haven't seen his films before, very certain style to them. And this one may be one of the more egregious uh, offenders of that style. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you, you feel, guys, but. I told Jared, I had a feeling <laughs> that this would be a movie. That is this exciting though? Because this doesn't always happen that we kind of one of us really likes something a lot more than the other mm-hmm. and i think this film may be one of those instances i didn't think it was perfect i have plenty to complain about but okay. uh but there there was a lot that i liked and i actually am not bothered by the boz ness of it all so we'll talk about elvis coming up here in just a little bit first though we have to talk about ezra miller again um, again there was a big article and remind me katie was this an Variety, Variety. Hollywood Reporting. Okay, I can't remember who did it, but Variety did a big write-up on Ezra Miller. It's like a 20-minute read, basically, of stuff that they have done. And we knew about the stuff in Hawaii. And then last episode, we talked about how there was the the mother and the kids in Vermont that were staying at their uh, compound slash house and how that whole situation was, was crazy. But now there's more stuff that has come out about Ezra Miller with regards to stuff that happened in Iceland and some other areas too. And I kind of skimmed the article, but Katie, you read the whole thing. So what's I what did. Are com- some of the like highlights or lowlights of the, of the article? Yes. I'm sad that I read this. I mean, every, you guys, I've told you for several weeks now, every week Jared sends me an update on Ezra Miller and every week I'm terrified and then read everything. So this article to give you just a little taste, it's, titled Ezra Miller accused of harassing woman in Germany and Iceland choking victim breaks her silence. <laughs> so that's just Not to great. warm up. Um, I Well, I'll just point out the things I didn't know because Jared and I had talked about them several times, but I did not realize there were altercation, altercations in Iceland. And it appears so... They were there um, in Iceland for quite a while. I don't know if this was filming a movie or not. I can't remember that. But there were at least, there was a bar that Ezra Miller frequented. And they said just like their behavior was typical of a lot of people that are in Iceland. They either are locals or are just visiting. Like they would just go to the same bar every night, hang out, whatever. And then the bartender said there were two altercations involving Miller. The first was a heated argument between Miller and a male patron that began as banter, but ended in the actor putting the man in a chokehold and later slapping him. And then the bartender broke up the fight, said that Miller apologized, and the other patron shrugged it off as a joke. And the article says the actor was allowed to continue frequenting the bar. We just brushed it off as two friends getting drunk and getting in a fight. That happens twice a weekend. That's what the bartender said. Okay. The next one, though, they said was harder to discount. Um, So Miller, there was a... He placed... Excuse me, they placed a woman in a chokehold and pushed her to the ground. This was a viral video or this video went viral in early April, 2020, which I think I saw that video. Um, and then variety yeah, spoke to the too. woman. 
Yes. And Variety spoke to the woman and she did confirm that happened and that it was her and that they could print that in the article, but she wanted to be anonymous for privacy sake. Um, but it's just crazy. I know that uh, it, there is a quote in here from them when they were attacking the woman. Do you want to fight? Is that what you want to do? <laughs> I just Probably not. The, I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then later they say, quote, but just so you know, I could take you in a fight. You really want to fight? And then it says that the woman told them to meet her in the smoking area in two minutes. She said, this is what the woman said. I think it's just fun and games. But then it wasn't. <laughs> Obviously. But I, I, I'm very, I'm more concerned because, you know, we talk about, I'm not even trying to just always bring up guns. But you know, we talk about most of these people that do mass shootings, there's been a ton of red flags and they're just ignored. I feel like this is maybe the most blatant um, red flag territory I've seen in a long time where someone is clearly something's happening. I can't say it's mental illness. I can't say it's a breakdown. But there's clearly some issues, and I feel like absolutely no one is addressing any of them. So that's concerning, but I feel like something is, things are going to come to a head with Ezra Miller eventually. I think so, too. And I think what the what's interesting about the Variety article as uh, opposed to other things that we've heard is that they actually interviewed sources and people who were there. So it gives it a little bit more credibility um, than maybe some of the other reports that we've gotten that said things have happened. But again, nobody that was at the scene actually, you know, had a statement or a quote or whatever. But the Variety article really went very in depth and talked to people that were there and um, things right. like that. So it's got it's definitely got a little bit more oomph behind it than some of these other reports. So well, not and great you and I meant- for Ezra Miller, for sure. No, <laughs> And you and I mentioned in the last one, we were talking about Lightyear, something had happened. And I just think it's so strange that they they're battling so many different things. Like they don't pick one thing. It's like physical violence, grooming children, alcohol abuse. I mean, there's it's so many different things. And that's that's another thing that's freaky to me. Usually it's like one person really struggles with this or like they have a severe substance use problem. But this they're like Ezra owns guns. Ezra has a random family living on their property. Ezra's beaten up a woman. Ezra's drinking too much. I mean, it's a it's wild. It's so much stuff. So uh, <laughs> on a uh, on a happier note, congratulations to Tom Hiddleston. He is going to be a dad. So Yay! Congrats he's to Loki. so beautiful. I'm very excited <laughs> for him. Yes, he I don't know what premiere this was, but Zawe Ashton is his fiance. She is stunning. And she I believe she's British um, as well. And they had shown up at a premiere together, but she was at a premiere for something the other night and is heavily pregnant. I mean, we're talking far along in her pregnancy. But so now they have confirmed they are both expecting and engaged. Very exciting. Nice. Congrats to him. And then also congrats to Top Gun, the first movie of the year to make over a billion dollars. Top Gun Maverick. So it's there's only been, I think, there's been less than 50 movies that have made a billion dollars at the box office. So now Top Gun is, is, I know you think it would be more, but when I saw that earlier this week, it's not really that many. Um, A lot of movies have come close, but to actually cross the billion mark um, has not been done too, too often. So... It has happened more in recent years than, you know, earlier, just with ticket prices increasing and then these big, like, superhero Marvel franchise, you know, culmination, like Avengers and stuff like that. So it happens more frequently now. But Top Gun, the first movie to do it for this year. So congrats to Tom Cruise, um, because that's a a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out. So um, corrections, we don't have any this week. Recommendations. 
I don't really have much this week in terms of recommends. I've just been, so I've been watching the end of Stranger Things, which has come out. I have one episode left of that, but the last episode's like two and a half hours. It's basically like a movie. So I have to- I've heard it's a doozy. Mentally prepare myself. Yeah, for that. Um, Have not watched Only Murders in the Building yet, but I recommended that a couple weeks ago. Um, And so, yeah, I was going to ask you though, um, has- has the flight attendant finished on HBO? Yes. How was the second season like as a whole? I just thought oh, of that Oh, great this week. question. Okay. Um, and thanks for reminding me of Only Murders because I did watch it and I have stuff to say. Okay. Um, flight attendant. So I had talked about this a couple episodes ago when we were doing recommendations. I had not liked the beginning of season two as much. Loved the end. Fifth okay. season to, I think, it, or fifth season. I think it was fifth episode. I think it was a total of eight. So fifth to eight episodes were excellent. I thought they were just as good as the first season. A lot happened. I liked how it wrapped up the season, at least. Um, So I really liked it. Uh, As far as my recommendations, thank you for bringing up Only Murders. I watched the first two episodes last night. I almost think I was more invested in this season, the beginning of the season, than the last one. Because I think the first season... I was confused as to the relationships between all the people because they would go back and forth about how um, Selena Gomez was connected to some of these people, including the murder victim. This, the first two episodes have come out for the second season. Loved them both. I was not looking at my phone. I was very, like, engaged in the episodes, really enjoyed them. And then the next two episodes drop on Tuesday. But I'm enjoying it so far. I think they're, I think they're doing what very few can accomplish where it's just as good as the original, at least so far. Um, Definitely their comedic timing and everything and just the whole, like, spirit of the show is exactly the same as first season. Well, and it's interesting, too, because the first season ends on a cliffhanger and then the second season starts right after that happened, basically. So, whereas, like, some shows have a passage of time between seasons, this basically decided we're going to start the second season, you know, just minutes after the first one ended, basically. So, I like when they do that. Like, the story just kind of continues in real time so yes and i also really um you know some shows a lot of shows or movies maybe this is just me lately i don't like everyone there's like an actor or two that i'm like "Ah, i don't like their acting or i don't like them as a person what i know about them and only murders i really really love steve martin martin short and selena gomez so i think that's also fun and then all of the guest stars and people they have on it are good. Amy Schumer, I think, is already going to play a prominent role in this season. She's been on the first two seasons. So it's like, I, I think that makes a big difference in my how much I invest in the show. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, check that check that out if you haven't yet. Um, it's on Hulu, too. And the episodes yes. are short. So easy to watch. And then the only thing I was going to recommend was a book I read this week. Um, it was called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus, G-A-R-M-U-S. Uh, I had never heard of her before, but this book, again, I'm kind of, I don't think I always jump on the bandwagon, but I've been doing a lot of that lately as far as like, if there's a book that's popular and everyone's talking about it, it's kind of like Stranger Things. I don't want it to be ruined for me, so I'm just going to read it now before somebody ruins it. So this book has been absolutely everywhere on social media. It's neon orange, the cover is. It's very cute looking. There's a girl that you can tell is a chemist on the front, and it's got a retro feel because the book does take place in the 60s. And it was delightful. I will say it is a longer book. It was 400. I think it was like 390. It was like almost 400 okay. pages right around there. Um, and it was a book that required some 
thinking? Like, because she's talking about a lot of chemistry. It's a different time period. There's a lot of characters to keep track of. But it was excellent. Um, I think it's probably going to be a contender for Book of the Year for Book of the Month so far because um, I can tell how much people are liking it and how highly it's rated on Goodreads and in Book of the Month that it's very popular with a wide variety of people. Um, But I loved it. It was really, really good. It's not... Currently, I was looking the other day. It's not my favorite book of the year, but it would probably okay. be in my top 20 so far for sure. Um, I hit my goal of 50 books, though, by the end of June. So I'm halfway to my reading goal for the year. So that's good. So nice. That's it. Very nice. So you're trying to do basically what? About two books a week to get to 100? Yeah, if I can. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I can't. Oh, I was going to say too. Lessons in chemistry. It's very like pro-women. It's very pro-women in STEM subjects because it's all about a female chemist. It's in the 1960s. But what I also liked about it, it had a very quick, witty banter. So if you are someone okay. that likes just things that immediately come to my mind would be the book Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. If you liked that book, you'll like this book. Um, if you are someone that likes, go- uh, not Golden Girls, uh, Gilmore <laughs> Girls. Well, Golden Girls is, was fantastic. But Gilmore Girls, how quick talking quick-witted that show is you're definitely going to like lessons in chemistry so those are the first two things immediately when i was trying to describe it to people i was like if you like this book or this show you will love this book so that's all of our recommendations for this week so now it's time to talk about elvis released on june the movie not i mean we'll talk about the person too but this is going to be more focused on the movie so if you were like i thought this was a elvis a biographical look at Elvis's life on this episode right. of the podcast. I hate to tell you that's not going to be the case. It's not so, today. But there Maybe probably later. is a podcast out there that goes way in depth on Elvis's life that you could, you know, I, listen to. Yes. <laughs> I do have plenty of fun information about Elvis and the people in this film as we go along, though. I looked up some facts. So it was released on June 24th of this year, 2022, rated PG-13 for substance abuse, strong language, smoking, and suggestive material. It's two hours and 39 minutes. Um, and then IMDb, it's a 7.8 out of 10. And Rotten Tomatoes critics, 78%. Audience, 94%. So audience is liking this a little bit more than critics, but critics are still liking it too. I will say the showing that I, when I came out of the showing of this that I went to, the audience was kind of talking. I just heard them in the hallway and stuff, people talking to one another, and they were all very highly complimentary of the movie and really um, enjoyed it. So that was that was good to hear. Um, box office wise, it's made fifty three million dollars domestically, and then seventy three million dollars worldwide. So it's done pretty well so far. Obviously, this was never going to be a giant, huge earner at the box office, um, but for what it's done so far. It's, it's done pretty well. And if you don't know, the synopsis for this movie is um, basically just about Elvis's life. Elvis is Boz Lerman's biopic of Elvis Presley from his childhood to becoming a rock and movie star in the 50s while maintaining a complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. One of the things I didn't know either, um, well, I knew Elvis died young, but I just didn't know. I didn't remember how young he was when he died he was in his early 40s so he was not very old at all um and i feel like it was probably shocking when it did happen i wasn't alive then but from what i've heard um like i was talking to my parents and they were like yeah the day elvis died was like we were just like kind of in shock because there wasn't internet or anything then so you just found out on tv or in the newspaper the next day or something so 
Um, but Elvis, Elvis is in theaters right now for you to check out. So we've got some critics reviews of this movie. First, we have James Berard and Nelly of real views. And we love James Berard and Nelly, uh, with his, with his reviews. And he says, Lerman's movie achieves its goals of highlighting Elvis's music while providing a capable, if imperfect abstract of his life. For fans of the icon and his music, it hits enough sweet spots to be worthy of a theatrical viewing. So he pretty he enjoyed it. He mentioned, you know, he's saying that it's not the greatest movie he's he's seen this year. It does have some flaws in the movie, but but pretty pretty high praise there from James Berardinelli. So next up we have Sarah, Sarah Michelle Fetters of MovieFreak.com who says, it's clear Lerman is more interested in myth-making, era-hopping, and genre-melding than he is in trying to dig all that deeply into the complex cultural, racial, and political realities of Presley's life. And that's one thing that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the episode, is this movie does kind of glance over some of the more problematic parts of Elvis Presley's life and just kind of puts a candy coating, you know, Hollywood topping on there and says, oh, that wasn't really that bad. But in reality, Elvis did have a lot of problems in his life, which we'll talk about later on. And then finally, we have Donald Clark of the Irish Times who says every surface is cleanly wiped. Every fabric seems fresh out of the box. There is no journey to Vegas. We are essentially there from the opening scene. And that's one of my um, complaints, too, with the movie, uh, which we'll talk about in dislikes, is I thought this kind of followed a weird format for telling the story. Like, the first act was jumping back and forth, but then after the first act, we were kind of just going in chronological order from that point on, so I don't know why in the first act we, like, jumped back and forth so much. So, we'll talk about that more, though, later on. And this movie is directed by Boz Lerman, who is from Australia. Uh, he, he's a writer, director, and producer. He's best known probably for Moulin Rouge, also The Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio and Romeo and Juliet. He was nominated for one Oscar for Best Picture when Moulin Rouge, were, Moulin Rouge was nominated. He did not win, though, and he has no upcoming projects listed right now. He also doesn't make a movie that often. Like, the last thing was The That's Great Gatsby, correct? Yes, because okay. I thought, I was <laughs> like, like he doesn't... Yeah, he he seems to take a really long time to make a movie, and then he only makes really long movies. Because <laughs> he's he's working on them for so long. Yeah, so. and they're not bad. I personally really liked The Great Gatsby a lot. That'd probably be my favorite. And I also okay. liked Elvis. I wasn't a fan of Moulin Rouge. Um, haters come at me. It's more because I thought it was so melodramatic that I was like, this is disgusting. Like, I barf. If I wanted to see this much melodrama, I'd go to a bad play. I don't know. That's just how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right now, but I'm pretty sure his last movie was um, uh, The Great Gatsby. So I don't think he's done anything. Yeah, that was in 2013. So he has not done yeah. a full-length feature movie since then. And he only does a movie about every five to seven years. This one mm-hmm. was even longer. Um, so it's rare for him to release a movie. So we will take a quick break here on the show and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Elvis. And we're back here on the show talking about Elvis in theaters right now, about the life of Elvis Presley. And the man who plays the title character is Austin Butler taking on the role of Elvis. Thank you, Jared. I really debated on a crush alert for this one. 
I will say, though, Austin Butler personally doesn't do it for me, but dang, he is a pretty, pretty, pretty man. Um, He is a 30-year-old actor from Anaheim, California, best known for The Dead Don't Die, the TV show The Carrie Diaries, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I loved, if you all remember, and if you're wondering who he played, he played Tex, who was the awful human being, one of the many, that lived on the, the ranch that Manson lived on. Anyway, next up, you can see him in Dune Part 2. Jared, when I looked that up, I went, oh, shoot, when I was looking it up, because <laughs> he has a really big role. Um, okay. It's the character, if anyone read Dune like me, <laughs> I will bank on that for probably the rest of my life. <laughs> so I'm so proud that I gonna read it. going to come up I in only, multiple conversations. Yes, but I only read the first one, and I'm probably going to stop there. But he's going to play Fayed Rautha Harkonnen, however you pronounce that. I know it's different for everybody. Um He's also going to be in the TV miniseries Masters of the Air, which it looks like that's filming now. Okay, very nice. I would say based on this, we're going to see him in a lot. Like, a Yeah, lot, I lot. think this is, this is kind of the role that's going to propel him into a lot more roles yeah. down the road. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I didn't realize he was 30. That actually makes sense. He, to me, acts and looks like a 30-year-old. Like that, like, and I mean that as the highest compliment. Um, I was also happy to see someone that was closer to my age because I feel like a lot of movies lately, people have been like 20 and 21. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, And that was a good, that was, I thought, good too for the character of Elvis. Because like that was kind of when he was in his prime was probably his his 30s. So it made sense to get somebody close to that age to play what was the majority of this movie, which was like once he started his career and then kind of got going. So Yes, and he's one of those people, too, that can definitely pass for younger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then just because we do talk about um, pop culture here, he is currently dating Kaya Gerber, if anyone cares. That is um, Cindy Crawford and Randy Gerber's daughter. I didn't even have to look that up. Like, isn't it <laughs> sick that I just know that? that that's kind of, I'm right grossed out of by your myself. Head. Um, but I think that that's interesting because there is like this, this like small group of hot young things in Hollywood right now. And they're all like, they all get with each other and then they break up and they get with like the friend's friend. And that's been happening with Kaya Gerber. And then Austin Butler was in a relationship with Vanessa Hutchins for, I think nine years. I mean, it was a long time. Can you fact check that Jared? I think it was nine years. Uh, Yeah. Let me look that up. Thank you. Because I'm pretty sure I read that recently. But anyway, I mainly, I bring that up because I knew Austin Butler so far before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just because of people he dated, not because of any work he had done. So yes. good on him. I it Was it nine? It was nine years. I started ah, dating in 2011 um, and then broke up in 2020. So Yes, yep. but they both seem very happy in their respective relationships now. Mm-hmm. So good on them. But whew, sorry, just I felt the need to share. Next up we have, I think you've heard of him. I've maybe mentioned him before. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. He plays Colonel Tom Parker. Um, I think we all know how I feel about him. Uh, he is best known for Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, Saving Private Ryan, Castaway, Big, You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, and so much more. He's been nominated for six acting Oscars, and he won twice in back-to-back years for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. That has only been done by a handful of people in life. Um, Next up, you can see him in Pinocchio, A Man Called Otto, Asteroid City, and Here. Then lastly, we have... um, Oh, yes. I I don't know... I was just going to say, I don't know how to feel about Pinocchio. I feel like I don't either. A Man Called Otto, which is based on the book by Frederick Bachman. Um, no, I don't think I it think is. That might. Oh, it's not. Okay. I, okay. I thought it was. I got. 
I actually didn't look this up. Well, that's Uwe, and I'm almost wondering if this is either about Otto Preminger or the man who built the atomic bomb. Okay. Wait a minute. I think you're right. I thought it was about a man called Uwe, yeah. But it's called Otto. This is very weird. Okay, so this is great, yeah, I don't though. Know this why solves they, the mystery. I don't yeah, know why they changed the title, it. is what I was going to say. Yeah. Yep, and they <laughs> said, if you look on IMDb, it says a cranky retired man strikes up an unlikely friendship with his boisterous new neighbors, a remake of the 2015 Swedish film. Wow. Okay. Well, Jared, thank you so much for going with me on that journey. I, I am <laughs> glad they're still making that. I think it's weird. They probably changed it to auto so more people could pronounce it correctly. Yeah, I think that um, this is probably honestly the reason for that. Um, yeah. It's just so but it's dang. a little easier to say. Yeah. I feel like we've been waiting for that movie for eight years, but it is in post-production right now. So it should be coming out soon. I'm thinking either this year or next year. It's supposed to come out on uh, Christmas, according to Wikipedia. Of this year? So, yeah, of this year. Yep. <gasps> Oh, Christmas Day. You know it's serious when they're coming out on Christmas Day. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Seriously. I mean, they have high hopes for this one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. Sorry, everyone, for that. I'm really glad we solved that, though, because I kept thinking, like, is this about Otto Preminger? Famous, famous actor, yeah, director. Yep. Um, and then the guy. Well, now <sighs> I'm sorry, everyone. We just, <laughs> let's just figure this out, because I, I know the the. What was his name? I'm looking up Atomic Bomb. I, I can't think of his name. Yes. Oh, my okay. gosh. Because they're making a movie. Thank you. Because they're making a movie about him right now. And we yep. had mentioned it on the podcast before because I mentioned the quote that he's known for that he did not start that quote. But everyone says he was the one that created that that I am death destroyer of worlds. But he was not the one that originally said Yeah. That. And that movie's coming out next year. And Christopher yes. Nolan is directing it. Yeah. So. Oh, is that the one that's the same day as Barbie? Yes. Yep. Oh, shoot. How am I going to choose? And Killian Murphy is playing Oppenheimer, but there's... That's amazing. There's that is tons stellar. of people in that movie. Jared, so. we could do a double header day and see Barbie. <laughs> and might have to, honestly. I think I might. Yeah. Um, also, dang, I don't I, I don't think we're going off the rails. It just This is good discussion. Um, somebody else was spotted on the set of Barbie the other day. And oh, who was it? I don't know. I'll look it up, everyone. Um, and I'll America <laughs> Ferreira. That's who it was. Okay. Okay. But America Ferreira could be a friend as well because Barbie had a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Take That's it from this true. Barbie expert. <laughs> anyway, so to sum up, Ezra Miller is still having problems. Um, Tom Hanks has a lot of movies coming out. One's Man Called Uve. Jared and I are both excited about the movie about Oppenheimer and Barbie. And next up, we will <laughs> discuss Olivia de Jong. Olivia de Jong plays Priscilla Presley in this movie. She is an Australian actress best known for The Visit, The Sisterhood of Night, and Better Watch Out. I had heard of none, exactly none of those um, so far. But she is currently starring in the HBO Max series The Staircase alongside Colin Firth and Tony Collette, if you've heard of them. Um, I have not watched the show. I hate it. I haven't either. Well, I've watched everything about the staircase except for this. Um, and because they've done like podcast things about it, they've Michael Peterson, I think, is trash. I definitely think he killed both his wives. Um, but the whole I don't know how they're going to, you know, convey it in this show on HBO Max, but I currently don't have HBO. So when I get it back, I'll probably watch it. Um, but anyway, it's a really fascinating case if you all are interested in that. But Olivia de Jong is very young. Um, she is Australian and I thought she did a great job in this movie. Yeah, she was pretty good as Priscilla, for sure. 
And this movie is also starring a lot of people you might... I recognize some of the names, but um, I definitely recognize a lot of the faces. So this movie is also starring Luke Bracey, Dacry Montgomery, Helen Thompson, Richard Roxburgh, David Wynnum, Kelvin Harris Jr., Gary Clark Jr., and Cody Smith-McGee, who was in Power of the Dog. So that's, that's the cast for Elvis, and we'll get into our likes now for the movie. Um, I forgot to start off and issue a little bit of an apology to Austin Butler because when these trailers came out, I made the point numerous times that I didn't think he really looked that much like Elvis or that he really sounded like Elvis. And I'm going to put that on the person that basically cut the trailer for the movie because I don't think they used the best singing scenes for the trailer. Um, there were scenes later in the movie where I thought, wow, he is like crushing it right now as Elvis. And none of those scenes were in the trailer. Everything in the trailer is like from the beginning of the movie, which is fine. But I feel like some of the more impactful singing scenes were definitely near the end and later. And so from the trailer, I just didn't get a good vibe on, on him playing Elvis. But having seen the movie, I have to say probably the biggest positive for this movie is that he does a great job playing Elvis. Very believable. His singing is great. He's got the dance moves down as well. Um, and it, it is very, very realistic performance of Elvis. Yes, I will say this now. Um, I was extremely impressed with Austin Butler, and I would not at all be surprised if he got an Oscar nomination for this. Um, which I love when people have like one big movie and they're because Audrey Hepburn, that happened to her first movie mm-hmm. she did for it was Roman Holiday, got an Oscar. Nom- well, then one, she also won. Um, anyway, but she was Audrey, so I just feel like good things. You know, she she was just wonderful. She deserved it all. Anyway, um, Austin Butler, though, I Jared, you brought up the trailer. I don't mean to throw out a dislike. It's not directed at him, but I don't want to forget it. I thought the trailer was very unrealistic and not the best snippets of the movie. And I thought a lot of things you did not understand anything about what was happening in the trailer because of the context. There was no context. There were certain things that like. Tom Hanks's Colonel Tom Parker said that they made a lot of sense when you're watching the scene unfold where he says that. But in the trailer, I was like, what? And it made no sense to me. So I thought they I thought actually the trailer was really bad. Like it was Mm -hmm. it was a bad portrayal of what the film was going to be like and what it was going to be about. Um, But that so that's a dislike. But I back to loving Austin Butler. So impressed with him. Very impressed with his dancing. I went to iTunes last night just to see what all was real and stuff. He did almost all the songs. He did them, but then they also played a lot of real Elvis Presley as well. Um, and if this counts for anybody, Priscilla Presley, Lisa Marie, and Riley Coe, so that's Elvis's wife, daughter, and granddaughter are all alive. And they have all given him their stamp of approval and said this is an accurate portrayal and it's a great, like, we're very proud that this was what they they gave Elvis. So that's, I mean, what more could you ask for if you were Austin Butler? And when I was coming out of this movie, um, there's a lot of older people in my showing, which kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But they were, they were kind of talking about Austin Butler and how realistic his performance was. And I thought, well, that's pretty high praise, especially from somebody that, I, I mean, I was never alive when Elvis was alive, but some of these people were and, you know, grew up with his music and really enjoyed his music. And for them to say that he did a great job, I feel like is, you know, from somebody that saw Elvis a lot and he was in pop culture a lot and on TV a lot to say that the performance was 
very accurate. Um, and then the family to say that as well means that it's a, you know, a pretty solid performance. So, um, another like for this movie is you get some real footage of Elvis at the end. Um, so that's kind of cool. Always like when they do that at the end of the movie, um, it's one of his final concerts he's performing. In fact, his final concert was in Indianapolis at market square arena. Um, back in the 70s. So that's where he played his last concert at. Um, and I don't know if this footage was from that final concert or from one of the one of the final concerts, but they kind of intermix that with Austin Butler there at the end of the movie. I actually think I remember my parents saying something about his last concert being at Market Square Arena, and that's cool. I just, I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. And when you were talking about the footage, that was one of my likes, was that I loved the real footage of Elvis at the end. So for anyone who hasn't seen this film, just at the very end, you see real real footage, and they do that thing where they give some some title like credits or whatever. They explain what happened to him. Um, but I I thought that was really good that you saw the real Elvis, and it was freaky how much Austin Butler looked like Elvis at the time of his death. It is crazy good hair and makeup and costumes. They should all get Oscars or at least nominations. Um, yeah, for sure. Cause that was a very, very accurate portrayal. Um, when they kind of put them up side by side and intersperse them, it's hard to tell which one, which what's the real footage and what's the, you know, movie footage, except for the decrease in quality kind of for the, for the real footage. So, um, another like for this movie is they show the relationship between Elvis and black people in his community and also his celebration of black music and rhythm and blues, which is a positive. I have a negative on this as well, because um, huh? I think there's some things about Elvis's career in terms of like stealing those artists music and kind of re-recording it exactly. and then it getting popular. That was not great. But he was very um, invested when he was in Memphis and kind of getting involved in that community, getting involved in the Beale Street music scene, things of that nature. And they do show that early in this movie. Yes. So, Jared, I feel exactly the same way you do about that. Um, The one question I had a lot of questions when I left the theater, but the main thing I was concerned about was if he ever gave black people credit for music that it it's very clear he stole. Um. And I don't know if he stole it, though. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he ever gave people credit or said they're playing this on Beale Street and B.B. King did this and this woman did this. And I don't know that he did that. I was trying to look it up. I have not yet found an answer from what I think is a reliable source. So I don't have a clear answer for that yet. Um, I do think in a way he helped popularize black music. So I think he did at least popularized music that otherwise wouldn't have been noticed if a white man hadn't done it um but i don't at least the way boz portrayed it i don't like the way he did it and it made me extremely uncomfortable that elvis got so rich and so famous using black people's music um so we haven't dispelled that that uh myth yet i guess um but i did love and i did know this about elvis but i like that they portrayed it in the movie that he had a very honest relationship between himself and black people in his community and those who were involved in his upbringing and had a big part in wanting integration between black and white people and was very he was very ahead of his time in that regard and i appreciate that about him and i'm glad they showed that because there was a lot they didn't show that i think left both you and i with questions jared but i was glad that they did show that relationship um, another like for me is there were two performance scenes in this movie that I thought were just really, really well done. Um, one of those is his performance at the Christmas special 
when he does that final song for the special. Um, that's a very like powerful performance. Again, I don't know why they didn't put any of that in the trailer. Seemed like that would have been good for the trailer. Um, the other one was when he was in Vegas doing his basically stage show at that uh, hotel. Um, they show you a song from that, and that is another just outstanding musical performance. I feel like because in those scenes, Boz Lerman kind of does away with the Boz Lermanisms, if you will, and just really focuses on Austin Butler singing and the music, and I think that's why those stu- those scenes uh, stood out to me. So... And then the final like we have before we go into dislikes is the action does start right at the beginning of this movie. Um, I have something to say about the length and dislikes, but that <laughs> the from the beginning you're kind of right in the movie and you're involved and you're you're getting going from from the very start. Yes, I also thought that too, and that's something I like that Boz does. It's not something where you're kind of waiting for the momentum to pick up or anything. It you. You're, you're like dropped into the film into this time period and I really liked that so that was a huge like for me and I also I feel like there's issues with pacing and stuff that are in present in all of his films um, but I did for the most part I found the film to be really energetic and I was I was pretty captivated most of the time so we'll get into dislikes now for Elvis I think the overarching dislike with this movie is that it kind of glosses over the problematic parts of Elvis's career in yes. terms of his relationship with Priscilla, his drug addiction, his struggles with food, um, because later in his life, he gains a lot of weight. Um, all of these things are big, big issues for him. And it kind of just, you know, there's a little bit of that at the end of the movie, but for the most part, it's like, oh, he's still doing great and he's still perfectly fine. Obviously, he has money mismanagement that's a whole dislike too um is that i don't know i feel like if you were in maybe it's because he was so young when he was signed but i feel like if you were in that position if i was hiring somebody to take over my finances and my career yeah. i would vet them heavily um and that's i would never allow colonel tom parker to be my manager based on what you know about him in the movie so um you know i feel like that is kind of a that did happen in real life, but in terms of not following up on anything and just saying, yeah, this guy's going to be my manager. Okay. Um, but I feel like you should probably check that a little bit more. So that was, that was a dislike for sure is that they, the problematic parts of his life, they didn't really get into that much. Yeah. That, I mean, you could really say most of my dislikes of the whole film was just not getting into the nitty gritty of a lot of these really complicated relationships. Um, and I think one thing I learned about Elvis is that he had trouble in general, I think, dealing with masculinity and what was expected of him at the time versus being able to just open up like, I have addiction problems, I need help. Um, I'm suffering financial abuse at the hands of this other man. I mean, I don't know a lot of men that would actually say that or say the term financial abuse, which is what it was. And then also um, the main, one of the dislikes, I'm sorry, I'm kind of wrapping these together. One of my big dislikes was at the end, they say Elvis died of a heart attack um, that actually, so I read, I read multiple articles about this because I'd always heard he really truly died of impacted bowels, which is a fancy way of saying he was constipated, very which constipated. is yeah. extremely, which is extremely common for people who abuse drugs the way he did. And he was in the bathroom. That's all true. And I know people laugh at that, but it's like incredibly common for that to happen. So one thing I wanted to share was that, uh, Okay, I'm trying to make sure I have the right article here. 
Okay, so there's one, I'll source a bunch. There's one, renewedhealthassociates.com. Um, the article is called Elvis Presley Died of Constipation. This is disgusting, just so you know. Not like a trigger warning, just like, it's just gross to think about. The autopsy revealed that Presley's colon was five to six inches in diameter. The normal width is two to three inches. Okay, and so instead of the standard, Yeah, and instead of being the standard four to five feet long, his colon was eight to nine feet in length. Yeah. And then they were saying, like, this could have been solved with a colostomy. Like, there's so they we we know of things and knew of things, ways to help that at the time. Um, but he probably did not feel comfortable sharing that that was his issue. And then also they were saying about the photos because, Jared, you mentioned how big he looked. So they said during the last few years when they were co- comparing pictures, some were taken two weeks apart, but he looked like he'd gained 20 pounds. The only difference was that he had a good, healthy bowel movement and then lost a lot of weight from that. He said the doctor that they they're quoting in this whole article, you usually pass it all in two or three days. But at the autopsy, we found stool in his colon, which had been there for five months or more because of the poor motility of the bowel. So I know wow. that's gross, but if if anything, I would love to sway people from doing drugs. <laughs> so let this be a lesson to you. And then um, Tom Parker talking about his abuse. I did want to explain that he um, the uh, one thing that the movie got completely wrong was the passport issue. That was true. That really happened. But Elvis never fired Tom Parker on stage. He wouldn't have done that. And then he also never knew about the passport. So Elvis never actually figured out why they couldn't go to Europe. He never knew that this was like a Tom Parker issue, not having a passport. And then I don't have information on this, so I'm not going to source it, cite it, anything. But I did read that Tom Parker might have been um, a murderer. He might have committed a murder. And that was part of the reason he was kind of on the run. But I don't have any concrete information about that i just forgot to look that up but i had read about it before so i wanted to uh share about that and then i think the last the last real problematic problem like issue that i had was the relationship between elvis and priscilla so i think their love was genuine and their love did last a long time and i liked that they portrayed that in the film however when priscilla met elvis this is a large thing to gloss over in 2022 she was 14 years old and he was 10 years older than her so we don't know for sure if they were sleeping together what we do know is that would 100 be statutory rape and not okay um so that's an issue and the fact that it's not even mentioned is gross and when they got married i did all of this by the way if you want to know where this is this is in time.com Um, There is an article, The True Story Behind Elvis and Priscilla Presley's Relationship. When they got married, she was 21, and they were living together, and they didn't necessarily want to get married, but they made them get married because the optics were bad, that they were living in sin, allegedly, like, quote, unquote, I'm not saying that, Um, living in sin, but not, like, married and that she was young. But that's that's a big issue and I think it's a little irresponsible at this in this day and age to gloss over that fact. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that they didn't they did not hit on in this movie for sure. Um some other dislikes for me, um I did not like um this is more of Boz Lerman than actual Elvis. Um I don't really love Boz Lerman's camera tricks. He does these spin arounds and uh you know flip overs and things like that which are cool sometimes but i don't feel like we need that every single shot like every single time they went into the hotel he did that cgi shot of like 
that flipping uh, 180 on like the camera flipping over 180 degrees. Didn't need that. I thought that was kind of unnecessary. Another dislike was the remix songs for me. I thought I'm not uh, criticizing the actual remixes because like the Doja Cat remix of Hound Dog is, is kind of cool. I just felt like where they placed them in the movie were weird spots to place them. I thought they didn't really make a lot of sense where they actually decided to slot them in the movie. Um, and then really the other dislike is the Boz Lerman. This is a movie that I think is Walt flies along at a fast pace is also too long. I don't, I mean, Elvis lived till he was 42. This movie is two hours and 40 minutes. So we basically have like three, four minutes of movie time for each minute or each year of Elvis's life, which is, you know, this probably could have been a little shorter given that he was, he did not live into his seventies or eighties. And so there really wasn't a ton, a ton of stuff of, of years of chronological time to cover. So that seems like a Boz Lerman issue. He's already said there's a four hour version of this out there somewhere. I don't need to see that. I don't know what else we need to put in this. I thought this was 30 minutes too long as it was. So, <laughs> and then other dislike we have, which we already kind of talked about a little bit is Tom Hanks and Colonel Tom Parker. Um, the movie gets some things right about him, some things wrong, but I did really not. I just really didn't like Tom Hanks's performance in this. Not just that he's playing a bad guy. I just yeah. think he wasn't acting very well in this movie. Yes, I think this will surprise people, but I agree with you, Jared. Uh, my love for Tom Hanks is pure, but I agree with you. And I did want to say um, what you said about the songs, the remix songs. I think you stated that perfectly because I don't mind that Boz Lorman puts modern day and does some rap and does some. I don't mind any of that. I actually thought that aided The Great Gatsby quite a bit because of just like what we're dealing with and the rich and famous and this glamorous lifestyle. But I didn't like where that was inserted into this film either. I liked the remixes, and I'm not mm -hmm. angry about the remixes. I didn't like where they placed them. And then Tom Hanks, yes. So I that was another thing in the articles. I, I've written all these articles down if anyone's interested in them. But the one about Tom Parker, he was from Europe. But he also he mainly had, they said, it was more of a West Virginia accent because I think a lot of his life was spent in West Virginia. Um, but that he had trouble with certain letters. So sometimes when he'd say Presley, it would sound like Plesley instead of because he couldn't say R's very well, things like that. Um, but I feel like the accent Tom Hanks did is bizarre and I couldn't place it. And I also didn't understand it. And I thought that um, somebody stated this. So I'm, I don't want to take their idea, but I don't remember who to cite. But it was in one of the articles. They were saying like Tom Hanks doesn't disappear into the character. It just looks like Tom Hanks in a fat suit. And mm -hmm. I thought that's exactly right, because Tom Hanks, who I think excels in disappearing into a character, did not do that in this film, which was very disappointing. And it's rare. In fact, I don't know of another movie ever where I thought somebody was better than Tom Hanks until this movie. So and he got COVID for this film. I mean, there's just so many things that I'm like, dang, Tom, so sad and disappointing. But I, I also just didn't like all the artistic liberties they took with Tom Parker's like what was fact versus fiction, I felt like they got a lot of it wrong. Um, but that was a big, pretty big dislike for me. So my final thing before we move on to our grades is to do with Tom Parker. So they use the kind of, I don't know what you would want to call it, MacGuffin in this movie or mm -hmm. plot device of advancing the plot is done a lot of times by Tom Hanks not realizing Elvis is going to do something. Like, oh, he's not singing uh, a Christmas song during a the Christmas, Christmas special. Song. 
Oh, he's not doing this at this. Don't go up there and wiggle your hips. Oh, he wiggles his hips. Oh, don't sing this song on this particular show. And he does it. If you're his manager, you should have a lockdown on what he is doing. I just thought that that happened so many times during the movie where Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker was like, well, I guess yes. this is what he's doing. That would never happen in the music industry because you would know if you're a good manager, you would know exactly what your artist is doing at all times and what they're performing and and or you would address the situation way sooner than like seven uh songs into this christmas special he's like well we'll get him to sing a christmas song eventually it's like no you would yes. after the first one you would go down there and talk to him and say hey this is supposed to be a christmas special what are you doing <laughs> well and according to that vanity fair article too tom parker sh- actually loved the racy stuff and the antics that i don't even know that they were antics i think elvis presley was just people were bothered by him swiveling his hips and being hot like they were like no we can't do this mm-hmm. yeah um but tom parker according to the article he actually really liked that stuff so i don't even know why they made him against it in the film because there was enough conflict as it is without having tom parker being against the choices elvis was making so yeah i just didn't like that so now we'll move on to our score for this movie i think you're first this time so i am I don't know if I'm going to regret this. I actually looked back at some of my scores for movies earlier this year, and those are the ones I'm regretting. I'm just going to go with 84. This wasn't the best movie of the year, but I liked it quite a bit. I thought they did a good job. I think there's a lot of problems and questions, but if I just look at this as a film, was it entertaining? Would I watch it again? Was it good acting? I mean, for the most part, I would say yes, absolutely. So I did not hate it. I think 84 is a pretty fair score. Okay, I'm going to go with a, um, I think like a 65 for this one. I didn't really love it as much. Um, I I don't, I think it was too long. I thought some of the, some of the just like uh, editing decisions and storytelling decisions and things like that were weird. I did like Austin Butler. I thought he did a great job as Elvis. Um, But for me, this is not, this is not, if we're looking at music biopics, I don't think this is as good as rocket man or even bohemian rhapsody um mm. just because both those movies i think do a better job of telling the stories of those artists of recent ones that we've gotten so so that's my score for this one so you can follow the show on social media at podcast silver on twitter and instagram just search the silver screen podcast on facebook and you can find us there our letterbox profiles are in the show notes uh in the description so you can click there and follow us on Letterboxd if you would like. And on our next episode, we'll be reviewing Thor, Love and Thunder. We have a little bit of an extended break, though. I'm going on vacation. Um, and then obviously when I get back, I have to see the movie. And then we'll record Thor, Love and Thunder. So we'll have a little bit of a break, but another Marvel movie um, done by Taika Waititi. So we'll see. we'll see how this one is. Yes, hopefully it'll be good. But you enjoy your vacation, Jared. You deserve Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.